0: Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Beloved Jay, Awaken the Divine Within. We're doing episode four today, Ananda Bliss. So, how's everyone doing? <laughs> um, you guys hanging in there? Uh, hopefully, you guys are doing well. Um, just to kind of give a little uh, reminder of the last podcast that I did um, before the guided meditation was about Maya and illusion. And so I have like this whole, the reason why I'm going in this order, there's a method to my madness. Um, (laughs) I, In my mind, I am preparing you mentally with tools, or this is my intention, is to prepare you with certain tools of understanding the mind and how it works in this in this reality that we live in, right? Um, so my first podcast was about the illusion that is around us all the time and how we as human beings are constantly being drawn to this illusion and this maya and how it can really trap us in a false reality. So, what i'm trying to do here is start from the beginning and giving you the tools of okay first this is what this is what maya is how like let's identify what maya is which is illusion and that this is a veil a layer that even exists in reality right or in our so-called reality so i'm my intention is to give you the tools to help you recognize when you are falling into the illusions of Maya. And then also, how can you get out of them? How can you find your way out of the illusions of Maya? Especially when we are so stuck in this um, illusion of Maya that you know we're born into. Right? So it is... Um, it is definitely learning how to put the pieces of your own inner puzzle together, right? And instead of focusing externally, I'm teaching and showing you and, and encouraging you that you go within. So, that being said, Ananda Bliss. What is Ananda? What is bliss? Um, and... You know i i talk a lot about the yoga philosophy because this is kind of where um you know I was given i was given the tools the tools to really understand what our true self is and what our ego self is and what the difference is and so i'm not trying to make you become a believer or trying to push you to become a yogi or anything like that. I just think that there's certain tools that I learn in my yoga trainings that are very, that are very important and have helped me in life really transcend, uh, this false reality, if you will. Okay. And so I think that that's where I'm going. I have powerpoints here to keep myself like in line but so ananda is an essential quality of the ultimate reality so we are searching for that ultimate reality right and what is that ultimate reality it's when we feel pure utter joy peace and happiness it's when we have reached that state of pure bliss And it's not a state that I would say, you know, you might not be there all the time, but when you've reached that state, your soul being res- resonates there all the time. So even if your external world is not, you know, the external world may bring certain things up, as long as you've really reached that place of internal bliss, of peace and joy and happiness within, you can really use that as your power and reminder to bring you back to that place when the external world wants to pull you out of it, right? And so samadhi is a state of pure awareness. Um, It's when the yogi reaches full spiritual absorption. And we are able to focus our mind on one singular object. Now that is the goal of the yogi, is to really bring the agitated mind into a place of stillness, right? So that's why we meditate, that's why we do yoga. And the only reason why those things are important, it's because it's part of the practice, it's part of the tool that is used to help bring that stillness to our body, to our mind, so that way we can actually feel the pure bliss, the peace, the joy, right? So if our body is feeling stuck, stagnant, and in pain, then it's really hard to get the mind to be in a place of peace if our body is in pain, right? So this is where... Um, for instance, asanas come into play. And like asana isn't asana physical postures, the physical postures of yoga, the physical practice of yoga is what the asana is. It's not the objective of yoga, but it's a tool that helps us to unveil the illusion of maya. So it helps dissolve the process of maya if you will um and it's yoga in itself is meant to bring alignment to our being so whether it be physical alignment spiritual alignment mental alignment emotional alignment um but only through continuous practice and devotion can you begin to integrate yoga and become more aware of yourself so it's just a tool that we use. And like I said, it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to become this yogi, this, you have to like, you know, be like this supreme yogi or anything like that. It's just a matter of using it as a tool to help you truly understand your own true nature. Okay. So because why we as a society are drawn to things that are not real i mean think about it like everything around you it's like it's just trying it's trying to capture your attention right that that world of you know um magazines and perfumes and makeups and it's like everybody wants to everybody wants you to buy into their product and whatever it is right so it's like that is out there that exists out there these these false realities right that exist out there it's like when when let's say you know the world is pushing oh you know you can be So much better if you have this or if you live this lifestyle or the, you know, it's like the picture that is being painted of the false reality of the perfection of life. And if it looks a certain way, then you'll be happy, right? This is the illusions that I'm talking about. These are the things that we as a society were drawn to that are not real. It's like, it's like that that you know that false reality that you see these people living a perfect life there is no true such thing because the reality is is that the 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 happiness that is going to really truly fulfill us is not external it's within It's about feeling that happiness within and knowing that without these things, I mean, you can have all those things and still feel happy, but it comes from a place within first. If I don't have that within myself first, if I don't find that happiness within myself, then all of these things externally will never amount to any good. Like I can never, I will never be happy having the biggest house the nice the best job the you know being famous and being world known or whatever it is that you imagine being perfect right and that perfect life or that perfect reality it's never going to truly exist if that happiness and joy you don't first find within your own true self so this is what yoga helps you kind of lift the veil of that illusion is that you know it takes away from us needing to want to build this perfect reality in our external world. And it really turns you around to say, okay, well, what's going on in here? You know, um, And that is what we call awareness. Right. And so in this game of learning yourself and being able to remove the mask and being able to see past the veils of illusion, which is, like I said, always present. It is always present everywhere you look constantly. I don't care if yesterday you beat illusion and you and you, you know, you were victorious over yesterday's, you know, um, Battle, but today is a different day, and so it, it's constantly out there. So awareness is what we acquire by becoming mindful of ourself, by becoming, by understanding our true nature. And how do we do that? By really understanding the different layers that exist of the true self. And so that's what I'm about to get into right now. But awareness being the key towards getting you into a state of understanding the difference between illusion and the ultimate reality so i am going to help hopefully um my intention is to bring give you this you know knowledge this wisdom this drawing your attention to this this whole other layer of of reality that it, or just, just th- this philosophy that I learned through the yoga, through the yoga philosophy, um, towards making you more aware of your own ultimate reality or what is the ultimate reality, right? So what is this going to end up doing? It's going to end up bringing you closer to the person you truly are. Right. And I think that we all as beings, that's what we truly search for and crave for in life is to be in our true enlightenment and, and, and to be one with our true self. So Atman soul is our true self. OK. And now there are three characteristics of Atman. The first one is sat and this is knowledge and pure existence. So if you will, you can think of it as a triangle. Doesn't matter. You could think of it as a circle. I like to think of this as a circle because we're gonna get into the different layers. So, but characteristics of the Atman, which is the which is one of the layers and I'll get into in a second. First, first characteristic is sat, knowledge, pure existence. Second characteristics is chit, which is wisdom and knows everything. And then we have Ananda, which is supreme joy and bliss, right? So these are the three characteristics of your Atman. So your Atman, your soul at a core level consists of the characteristics of knowledge, which is pure existence, of wisdom, which knows everything, and supreme joy, which is bliss, okay? So you at your core center, you are pure existence, you know everything, and you are in bliss at your core center, right? But how do we get there? Through knowledge, wisdom, and supreme joy, which are our true nature, which are our birthrights, which we own. We just have all these other sheaths and layers that keep us from remembering this truth. And so now I'm gonna get into those layers. Five layers of the self, okay? And I'm about to give you like some really awesome information right now this is like ancient yogi knowledge okay so take notes on this this isn't just like you know this is true ancient yogi knowledge that the royals and the supremes and the elites of this world did not want you to have access to any of us to have access to this was kept From either tradition because of family lineage, of ancestry, or because you were in the royal family and you were, and you like literally tradition or family, like so it was like it was very kept very secret. All right, but this knowledge is so powerful that it will bring you to a true understanding of your true self at its core. So, hence why these. You know, upper ups did not want you to have this this kind of access to this knowledge because, um, you know, of what I'm trying to eventually get down and get to is that entrapment of the soul, you know, wanting to keep us in this false reality of, you know, this... Narrative that is crumbling and falling that just keeps us enslaved. And so here I am giving you, like literally, some of the most ancient knowledge in the world, so that you can find your pure existence. Okay, so that you can tap into your own inner wisdom and 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 your own inner knowledge and your own knowingness of everything and find your true joy, your true bliss. Okay. So the five layers of the self, write this down. First layer is the body, our physical body. This is the external layer and is nourished by food. It's concrete like ice, solid and matter. This is our first layer. Okay, so this is why diet is very important. Because we're creating a barrier to our true self by what we eat and intake. Right. So diet is very, very important. And I'm not saying that you have to be a vegan. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you have to go to the extremes, which I've done. And that, so that's what I'm, I'm not saying that this is what you need to do. What I'm saying is that you need to really tune into your body and listen to what it needs and what it's asking for. And that a lot of the foods out there are desensitizing your body and creating a density that does not allow you to go within to the next layer, which is energy, our second layer, and so you can think of it in circles. Um, I just came; it just came to mind. I'm gonna draw it, and I'm gonna throw in a picture <laughs> somewhere in here, so you guys can actually get a visual as well. Um, if I can do that, hopefully I can, and I'll and I'll incorporate that if I can. I'm sorry, I'm gonna try and give you the visual as much as I can right now. So think of it as a circle, uh, like a target board. Yeah. Uh, with circles, and there's a bullseye. Okay. So, the first external layer is the body, which we just spoke of, and uh, the external layer and food, right? The second layer is energy. The energetic layer is nourished by breathing, prana. It's erratic, it's without direction, and constantly in motion. You can consider this as the perfect. The perfection in the world, right? So like when you have this connection to the energetic field, we can manipulate that energetic field and create perfection in the world or perfection of the world. Now, the world in which I'm ultimately getting to is not real. It is, it is, it has been created for us to experience a human life, okay? But this is not the reality, the ultimate reality, because that ultimate reality is bliss. So what we know as real, I mean, it's not bliss. There's, there's violence, there's killing, there's murders, there's pain and suffering, human trafficking, all these things happening in this world that we can look at it and we can say, okay, that's not pure bliss. That's not joy. That's not supreme joy. This is not our ultimate reality, you guys. And this is what I'm trying to prepare you to understand. So now when we've you know figured out certain layers and we're going through those layers, and we've learned to manipulate the energetic world, yeah, we can create perfection in this world because it, it, it like I say, you, you're, you've you beat the body, the external layer, so now I can go in and I can manipulate energy, right? And I can create a perfect world energetically, but it doesn't stop there. There's a third layer, which is the ordinary mind and the lower mind. And this is where ego... Exists. This is where reality and maya exists. And this is where prana moves, okay? So this is where we create habits. This is where we react on instinct. This is where memories are stored. Um, this is where we begin to deconstruct, okay? And the mind starts to try and take over here, right? ego loves to create separation and so the mind loves this is where ego comes into play and likes to take over okay so this is where we store our conditioning and our and create division so as we are you know growing up as human beings depending on our upbringing our surroundings our environment our parents our whatever we saw as growing up this is what becomes our conditioning and so we start to create this division through maya because we start to believe that our truth is our ego and so maya begins in this layer because the mind is disconnected from the body and perceives illusion instead of reality. So because there's this disconnect from the body to the mind, we, we begin to create this division and we begin to believe in our ego self as its true identity. So this layer is subject to change though. So it cannot be the true self because it is subject to change. Our soul is changeless. But this is also where memory is stored, like I said. And it keeps bringing people back to the same places again and again until we, in a sense, It's like until we can become aware of what those situations are trying to teach us, we're going to constantly cycle back to those same things again and again based on our memory. And so it could be based on something that you went through in this lifetime. It could be something that based on you went through in a past lifetime or your ancestors went through because this is all in the memory field. And I will go deeper into that in another episode, but just bear with me here for a little bit. Okay, so. Conditioning and memories based on our upbringing and our ancestry lives in this field of the ordinary mind, the lower mind, which is the ego mind. Okay, that's the third layer and it is subject to change. So it cannot be our true self. So then we come to the superior mind, which is the fourth layer. And like I said, we're going in and we're going to the bullseye, which we'll get to the bullseye. But so this is another layer, the fourth layer. There's five layers superior mind which is our higher awareness our higher mind comes from the discernment that we have and the and the ability we have to choose right or wrong right so this is where Our superior mind taps into that knowledge, that pure existence, and we can choose now right from wrong. So we have our knowledge now, and then we can get to our wisdom, which knows everything, right? Which I said, those are two aspects of the characteristics of Atman, which is our soul. So with the superior mind comes knowledge, awareness, wisdom, but it is still imperfect, It is still imperfect. It is not the Atman. This is the higher mind, which, yes, comes with knowledge and wisdom and awareness, but it is imperfect. Okay. So then we come to the Atman, the soul, the bullseye. This is what guides us through life. And it sends info to the brain through the five layers of the self. So, From the center of our soul, from the bullseye, the message is sent through all the other layers and received in the body last. It is not our mind that makes up the answers. They come from within, from our Atman. So our Atman decides, our soul decides, and it goes through all these other layers. And then your ego is the one that gets to decide. Atman is the true self, pure bliss. Ananda, we we spoke of this, the fifth layer. This is perfect being, unchangeable. And this is the most subtle layer that exists. It's internal, it's an internal layer and it reflects more of the true self which is pure bliss, ananda, joy, happiness. So why am I giving you this nugget of information? Because I want you to understand that we may be stuck in ego and in illusion, but through knowledge and wisdom and awareness, we can get through those other layers to our true self true to, to understanding and communing with our atman with our soul we can get to pure bliss we can we are bliss we are joy it is just these other layers that we have to let's say learn and purify and 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 understand so that way we can transcend and remember our true nature which is pure joy okay so coming into the sutras you know i i love to talk about my sutras and kind of tie this in um i'm gonna move through these quickly too so because i don't want to get you guys stuck too much in the sutras i just really want you to start understanding the layers of the mind and how we can trap ourselves in the ego right and how we can through awareness knowledge and wisdom start to truly see through the veil of ego. And that's kind of what I'm trying to show you here. So Patanjali, Sutras of Patanjali, and book four, Pada four, The Soul and the Ego. Um, well, this is what I like to call it, is um, this is kind of where he talks about the soul and the ego. Line 18. The soul is changeless, it says, and is lord of consciousness. The soul always knows The movements within the consciousness. This is once again reinstating the fact that anything that changes cannot be eternal. Since the soul is eternal, it cannot change. And that also all of our choices come from Atman. Soul makes the conscious conscious choice and ego takes the action. And purusa, which is another way of saying soul, is always aware of the mind's vrittis, the layers of the mind, okay? The samskaras, the the roots, the obstacles, right? The, the memories, the embedded memories, the conditionings, right? Um, and I'll, I'll do a whole other podcast on vrittis because that's a whole other subject. But I do have an article up on my... Um, Website, JessicaRovira.com, if you want to check it out, Vritis, um, Vritis of the Mind. Anyway, so continuing on. The object of Purusa's awareness is the mind. Soul's awareness is the mind. We are trying to get mind and soul to communicate and to work together here. We're not completely trying to um, ex-nay the ego, right? We're not like killing the ego. That's not what we are doing. What we're trying to do is to see beyond the veil of ego into our true self, into our true nature. So the next line that I want to bring up is line 24. It says, the ego mind is the fabric wrapped around pure soul awareness And is composed of innumerable memories, impressions, desires, and knowledge. The ego mind exists for the soul and is equipped for the sake of the soul to allow it to be close to the created realm. Now, so what is Patanjali talking about there? He's trying to bring you to the understanding of the nature of your mind and your consciousness. as we can already see, and I hope that I've pointed this out, is that the mind exists to provide either experience or liberation. So, you know, the experience is those when we're constantly cycling and we're, and you know, being experienced, maybe, uh, pain and suffering, right. And we're constantly cycling on those that's experience. And I'm going to get a little bit deeper into that in, in the next, um, sutras. Okay. But, or in the next moment here, I'm going to just talk about it. It's the same sutra, the same line, 24. But like, so we're either experiencing pain and suffering and whatever. And we're cycling on those cycles that are maybe connected to our conditioning, our memories, our upbringing, right? Our ancestry. Or we're experiencing, through our mind, liberation because we've been able to see that ego is a layer and move beyond it, right? Through knowledge, wisdom, and awareness. So this is what we're trying to do. So whether we've experienced pleasure or pain in life, the experience is not for itself but for another entity. And that entity is the part of us that is changeless, formless. That part that we call purusa or soul. The core of who we are, Atman. Pure bliss, pure joy. Your soul wants to experience pleasure or pain or fill in the blank. Now I understand that that's a whole another level of understanding. And there's another in-depth conversation about that, right? But just bear with me here, okay? So moving into the next para. So I just kind of wanted to touch up in that. In, in, in book four, um, But and we're gonna go back to book three, Pada three, um, which is like the mystic powers of the yogi. Like once you get to a specific state of mind, you, there's this sense of mystical powers that you feel, That we get to tap into because like I say, now we see beyond the veil, right? And so... I'm kind of jumping forward in the aspect of, you know, if we're moving beyond the layers and we're actually doing the work towards dissolving illusion, which I'm giving you the tools, meditation, yogi, or at least trying to help you, guide you in that direction of guided meditations and yoga and physical, you know, um, asana, right? But I'm also trying to give you the knowledge that is needed in order for you to truly mentally understand so that you can transcend and move beyond those layers. So, as we can already see, the soul is what makes the choice, and ego has. Domain over what it chooses to decide. So that's why ego and controlling our ego and becoming friends with our ego is so Important because that's where we're either going to see illusion and be liberated or we're going to See or we're gonna fall into the trap of illusion And we're going to cycle back on that whatever pain suffering blah 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 am I getting somewhere with you guys? Okay, so Pada three, book three, line 11, moving the consciousness from many pointedness to one pointedness results in the transformation to spiritual absorption, which equals samadhi, right? That's, you know, every, every yogi's, I I don't want to say, um, destination, like, you know, Like, we shouldn't have a destination. We should be enjoying the journey, right? But we all want to reach a place of samadhi, which is pure bliss, right? And thats I'm not saying that that's the goal in life because we even have to let that go. Um, We even have to let that aspect go of needing to be in this pure perfection of whatever that true highest intelligence is. That's another kind of attachment and trap, right? Which I'll talk about probably in another podcast. But um, the point here is, is to, to reach spiritual absorption in order to feel pure joy, which is what our true nature is, right? So in order to get there, what do we have to do? I said knowledge, wisdom, and awareness. How do we get there? By bringing our many-pointed mind, which means the fluctuating mind, to a place of stillness. So the mind is never static, but always flowing, Right, Think of it like water, always flowing. It's never stagnant. And what happens to stagnant water? It gets really gross and creates bacteria and gets yucky and ooh, right? In order to have clean, purified water, there needs to be a pump in there or some kind of spring or something that's constantly keeping that water flowing. So it's the same with our mind. In order to keep it clean... We've got to be pumping it knowledge, pumping it wisdom, right? So the attainment of samadhi involves the elimination of all pointedness, wandering mind of the mind, right? So we are trying to eliminate the wandering of the mind and bring rise to the one pointedness, which is concentration. Okay, so the nature of the mind can be scattered. And this is why we're always stuck in Maya because it's always trying to pull you into that false reality. Like I said, Maya is everywhere and we as human beings are always drawn to what's not real, okay? So because the mind is scattering, roaming, fluctuating, this is what keeps us away from our true nature. So bringing it to, si- to stillness, is what's going to help bring in that awareness of self. So as long as we're in scattered mind, roaming, mind is fluctuating, thinking about random things, we are not in samadhi, we are not thinking from our pure soul essence, right? And I'm not saying that those times where you're receiving like all of this wonderful information and you're, you know, you're downloading and you're receiving all this goodness. That, that, that's not what I'm talking about here. That's a whole nother level, but I'm talking about when you're stuck in that pain and suffering and all of those lower being in the third layer, lower mind, ordinary mind of the memories and the pain and the suffering and all these things. That's what I'm talking about here. Okay. When we're stuck in that, Thinking random things and, oh, why did I let this happen and why, you know, I can't forgive this person and all these things. This is the fluctuating mind that I'm talking about. And so us, in order to have the potential to be a one-pointed mind, we need to be able to fix our mind on one object or one subject or one thing, right? So when we can develop this skill of stilling the mind, the agitated mind, to our highest potential, then the state of samadhi is attained. Then we can remember our true nature, which is joy. So this changing of the fluctuating mind to one-pointedness is a gradual process, and it's not going to happen instantly or occur overnight. So we have to be patient with ourselves in this process. It takes time and it takes patience and it takes effort and actual work we can't just expect to listen to a couple meditations and just be there right um so be patient with yourself and give yourself the time and space to get there okay as long as your mind is not flitting about from one object to the next or one subject to the next then this is considered the state of a samadhi. So sometimes throughout your day, you might find yourself there. Bits and pieces, right? Or even if it's like a second or a moment, you found yourself there. This is amazing. Rejoice in those moments because we can't be there all the time because we live in this false reality, all right? I swear it's going to make sense soon, if not already. Just bear with me, okay? So first step towards achieving samadhi is awareness. How do we get to awareness, knowledge, and wisdom? By tapping into those layers, those characteristics of our true self that we already have at our core center. Before achieving awareness, we must still the mind. How can you still the mind if your body is not still, if your breath is not still? So in order to still the mind, we must still the breath, okay? body comes first if our body is running around and we're here that yeah, over here and over there and doing all these things how do we expect our mind or our breath to be still so we have to take those times to be still so our body can be still so then our breath can be still so then our mind can be still so then we can reach a place of true self of awareness of self okay so line 13 in this way, the change in the characteristics, state, and condition of objects and of the senses is explained. So this is Patanjali talking about how characteristics, your state of being, and your conditions in life are going to be a factor as to where you... How, where you are in your mind, whether you're in many-pointedness or one-pointedness, these are all things that can potentially affect you that we have to kind of, in a sense, um, overcome, right? Transcend by learning knowledge, wisdom, awareness, right? So this one-pointedness transforms mental elements, body and sense organs to be subject to the law of virtue and this condition of the quality unfolds visible to all. So what is Patanjali saying there? He's saying that pretty much these fluctuations of the mind can be caused by our dharma. What is dharma? It's our nature. What's our nature? Through our, the qualities of our life and the conditions of our life. Like I said, memories because of our ancestry, conditioning, because of our upbringing, all of these things are factors, our surrounding environment, all of these things are factors, so dharma, nature, laksana, qualities, avasa, conditions, and I'm going to go into and explain them individually, and like I said, I'm not trying to turn you into a super, super yogi, so if you're not with me, you're not with me, it's okay, like, plant the seed and understand that it will all come together eventually, okay? Dharma, according to the BG, nobody's going to test you on this stuff, I promise. Dharma, according to the BG, which is the Bhagavad Gita, refers to an individual's social duties or function in society and determined by the person's natural tendencies, activities, and psychological inclinations or characteristics. So, Dharma is our tendencies our traumas our psychological uh state of mind because of our upbringing our characteristics because of our uh like our zodiac signs or whatever our ancestry or the memories of these characteristics that are in our energetic field because of so many things right so in this book The Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, and this is just one of the Patanjali sutra books that I have that um, I've been kind of going towards lately. So, it says here... Patanjali here is a, is essentially indicates that the constant change underpinning all manifest reality can be categorized according to Dharma, Laksana, Avasa, characteristics, state of the conditioning. So I just went through that and about how it talks about how the Bhagavad Gita breaks it down to characteristics, psychological, and uh, state of being. So in this book, they use the example of a clay pot and it's used as, as an, an analogy for dharma. So he, he pretty much talks about how a clay pot is formed and assumes the characteristics of being a pot rather than a cup or a plate, right? And so this is, the, this is that clay's dharma is to be a pot. So the pot is there for a specific dharma that is potential in the clay. Okay. And the same clay can assume different dharmas, if you will, by being transformed into other things. So that same clay, I can take, I can wet it up, I can deconstruct it, and I can turn it into a plate or a cup. So we are the clay, for instance. Okay. Like think of yourself as the clay, right? Your dharma can become different depending on how we mold ourselves, right? So the Laksana or state of an object is understood as its situation in time. So the Laksana are the qualities, right? A pot can exist in the present as it can have existed in the past and as it may yet to exist in the future. So Laksana is the qualities based on time, whether it's from the past, present or future. And then svastana is the condition of the clay pot. So whether in the past, present, or future, it could have been a new pot in good condition or an old pot in bad condition, et cetera, et cetera. So all objects in manifest reality can thus be conceived of us undergoing constant change according to characteristics, state of being, and conditions. So this is... All from this book, um, The Sutras of Patanjali by Edwin F. Bryant. Um, And so to Patanjali's point here, I'm going to try and tie this all in together, so bear with me. All things change according to conditions, state of being, and characteristics. So what doesn't change is the true self, which we already talked about. Atman, which is pure bliss. So think of it this way. Atman equals soul, or you can say Purusa equals soul too, right? Purusa, Atman, same thing. Samadhi equals spiritual absorption. Now, when we are in spiritual absorption, we are coming from a place of Atman, of pure soul, of pure bliss, okay? These coincide with one another. So when we can learn to control the fluctuations of the mind and learn to flow through the changes in characteristics, state of being, and conditions, we can respond to life from a place of supreme being, which is pure bliss and joy. So when we can work through all those layers of the self, we can literally come and be present in this false reality, Within a place of pure bliss and pure joy, but it, it, it it's the work is is internal right we 've got to get there internally first, and then it begins to exude in our external world world so according to yoga philosophy, it is essential to grasp the underlying underlining operative principles inherent in material reality, so when we can understand Maya and illusion in the material reality, that false reality then we can begin to like i said move beyond the veil of illusion and 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 then we can in a way mold remold our clay right so all change is simply in characteristics and the state of being and your conditions so if i take if i want to remold myself all i have to do our change in my characteristics, my state of being, and my conditions. And how do we do that? By, remem- by remembering you are not your body. That's just the external layer. You are not your mind. That is just the next layer. We need to go beyond the mind, which is, or beyond the body, beyond the mind, which are our ego, our shadow. And go beyond the unseen, and we will uncover go beyond the unseen and you will uncover who you are and stop being the puppet and become the puppeteer of your own life and this is what i'm trying to eventually get to is to help you get to that place where you can become the puppeteer instead of the puppet so light workers we are here as the heroes To bring the light to the darkness and to help others do the same, okay? So as we begin to ignite our own inner flame, we are helping others do the same. You don't even have to teach them. Just by being an example, you will relight their flame. Do you understand? Through inspiration alone. So I'm going to end this session with a quote by the Bhagavad Gita, Um, Krishna. It says... Never have I existed. Never in the future shall we cease to exist. And why did I want to end with that? Because that is the true essence of our soul being. Krishna is saying there, never have I not existed. And never in the future shall we cease to exist. So there need not be a fear of death, of illness, of... I think death is the main one. Especially right now in the times that we are, literally, we are being told. We are eternal beings. We come from a place of pure soul, pure joy. This is our truth. This is our birthright. And we can bring that into our ultimate reality, right? Our ultimate reality, we can bring that ultimate reality into this false reality, this external world of the matrix, right? Let's just, the matrix, the system, the false reality, the false narrative, when we get to our place of being able to see and express ourselves through our true self which is pure bliss true joy then we are able to anchor that joy here and we will begin to reflect and mirror that to other people and this is how we begin to be the light workers by lighting each and every one of those people up that come and to us like i said they don't even have to speak to us. But you having lit your own candle, you light another and another and another, and this is how we begin to create a new earth. All right, y'all. Thanks for bearing with me. This was a longer one, so I hope you're still with me. And um yeah, if you have any questions about anything that I said, please comment down below, send me a message, link up with me, check me out on my um website jessicarovira.com also uh please those of you who are watching don't forget to like share subscribe to my youtube channel if you're listening through either spotify or anchor um yeah just let me know if what i'm saying is speaking to you if you're not understanding it if you want a little bit more in depth how i can help just reach out to me i love all of you sending love and light namaste